Morning, everybody. It's good to be here with you all today. I always enjoy it when we gather together. And what I'd like to look at today is building, building together. I've been thinking about building quite a lot. And as you know, Jim mentioned in the notices about um, writing a letter about our membership and about thinking about where, where we want to align ourselves. And one of the things that we've looked at and in amongst all of that is where we want to build. Is this the place that you want to build? Are these the people you want to build with? Now, the thing that got me thinking about the building was not looking at membership. It was the building work that I've been having done in my house And anyone that's had building work done in their house will know how challenging that can be. Even if it's just a small bit, it disrupts the whole of the house. And we haven't so much been building as remodeling. We haven't laid any new foundations. We've not added anything on. We haven't really knocked anything down. But we have bashed it about quite a lot. We've removed a lot of rubble. And we've created something beautiful. And at times it was stressful and at times it reduced me to tears. At times it felt overwhelming and out of my control. I would come home and find my house full of people doing stuff that I didn't expect. Um, And some of it was just really hard graft. We started in August and some of it was just hard, sweaty labour. I remember I'd got so much PPE on my head, I couldn't fit anything else on. I'd got a baseball cap, I'd got ear defenders, I'd got um, eye protectors, I'd got a mask. You couldn't, you couldn't see me. Um, and that's how, that's how dirty and mucky it was. We were, we were knocking um, plaster off walls and taking it right back to the, to the original. It was horsehair plaster, it was dirty, it was messy. But you know what? When I sit in my lounge now and I look at my beautiful, smooth, white walls, we have created something beautiful and I am very blessed. And it made me think about us and it made me think we've been a bit bashed about in the past few years. We've had a bit of remodeling. We've had some things that we've taken away, that we've removed. They've served their purpose. They've served their time. Maybe ways of thinking, ways of doing stuff. We've taken out some old stuff and we've found some new, fresh ways of doing some things. And like my house, at times it was overwhelming and difficult and sheer hard graft. But like my house, which has been standing for 170 years, we're still here. We might not have been here for 170 years, some of us at least 40 plus, but we're still here. We might look a bit different, but we're still here. And you might be here today thinking, oh, I don't know anything about this. And that's fine. If you came to my house you wouldn't know that we've bashed stuff about. You wouldn't know there was rubble on the carpet. You'd come in and just think it was a lovely house. And you might be thinking, oh, well, this is not my house. I'm somewhere else. I'm a visitor. That's fine, because we're all building. You might not be building here. You might be building somewhere else. 
you might not know about all the bashing about and the, the things that have happened, but that's fine. We can still build together and enjoy our building. And when I think about the people that are here today, I think about some people that are bruised and battered, battle-scarred and tired, those who have just faithfully kept going, those who are wobbly and a bit unsure, those who are scared, those who are excited and hopeful, those who are strong and pressing forward, and some people that are all of the above. I think about those that we've lost. Some have moved. Some have died. Some have left. But they will forever be a part of our history and a part of our fabric. And I appreciate everyone. And I appreciate every one of you. And as I stand here and look at you now, I look at something beautiful. And what I see is not a group of individuals just sitting in a room. I see something with structure and foundations. Something that is living and breathing. An organic building, if you like. So let's turn to the word. See what God says about this. We're going to start in Ephesians 2 in the message. Verses 19 to 22. And it's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He is using us all. Irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. And that's us. We're being built into a temple. And as we're building together, I thought it'd be good if we looked at what we're constructing. So I want to look at three characteristics of our, of our temple, of our living, organic building. And the first one is that we are centred around and founded upon Jesus. He is our cornerstone, our example, our role model, our inspiration. And it says in this passage, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. Well, I had to go and check what a cornerstone is. Because I thought I knew, but I wasn't quite sure. And I probably should have gone to a website that said something like the Royal Institute of British Architects. But where did I go? I went to Wikipedia because that's where we all go. And whilst it's not always reliable, 
I really liked what it had to say. The cornerstone or foundation stone or setting stone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. Now, I like that because last time I was speaking, I was talking about building cathedrals. So that kind of rang, that rang a note with me because we're building a cathedral. All of the stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. One stone determines the position of the whole structure. Imagine that in a cathedral, one stone in a massive cathedral, and that determines where it's going to go. And in order to determine our position, we have to start with Jesus. We have to be set right with him. He has to be that, that, that frame of reference, that anchor point that we always go back to. He should be the one we sing about, the one we talk about, the one we think about, the one we aspire to be like. Our position in everything we do is referenced by him. And then I went on to read this and I found it a little bit sobering. It says, over time, a cornerstone became a ceremonial masonry stone or replica set in a prominent location on the outside of the building. And I determined right there and then, and I think you will agree, that we will not become a place where Jesus is removed from the foundation. We will not become a place where Jesus is wheeled out and put on show for high days and holidays. We will not become a place where Jesus is on the outside. We want to be a place where Jesus is always at the centre, always our reference point, always the place that we go back to. And the way that we do that is Jesus says to his disciples, it's the Holy Spirit that brings us into all truth. We cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. He is the one that keeps us in line. He's the one that keeps us, um, keeps us on track. And you'll remember last time when when I was talking, I was saying, often we have to ask ourselves the question, what does Holy Spirit say about this? So let's add in another question. What does Holy Spirit say about this and what would Jesus do? I think if we can keep those two things, we'll be doing pretty well. And I've been reading Matthew's gospel because sometimes it's great just to go back and visit the gospels and see how Jesus did things. It's a great way of keeping ourselves on track. And I love just going back every so often, those four books at the beginning of the New Testament that tell us about Jesus' life. So I've been back to Matthew. I've got through the genealogy. Always interesting, the bit where we know whose son was whose son was whose son and the odd lady thrown in there as well. Always fascinating to read. I've got through that bit. And then I got to the bit where Jesus starts his ministry. And... The thing about Jesus is he started with himself. And I thought this is a great way to live our lives. He got himself established. If we're going to build together, we have to establish ourselves first individually. And he, Jesus was good at self-care. He didn't rush into anything. He needed that relationship with his father and with the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew 3 verse 16, we see Jesus is being baptised. 
And it says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. And likewise, it's our relationship with our father. That's where we begin. Jesus did what he saw the father doing. And if we are centered and founded upon Jesus, he is our example and we do what he did. He established his relationship with his father, with the descending of the Holy Spirit upon him. And then he could start to build with others. So then he starts to call the disciples. Now there's an interesting group of people. The disciples or the apostles as they're called. So we know that they're part of the foundation of the church. Some were fishermen, some were tax collectors. Some of them we don't even know what they did. But I wouldn't say that they were a kind of fully formed operating group of people they were called they were leaving livelihoods they were making mistakes they were finding their way but Jesus recognized who they were it's a really interesting passage in Mark 3 starts at verse 13 in the message and it says he climbed a mountain and invited those he wanted with him they climbed together He settled on 12 and designated them apostles. Again, the foundation of the church. The plan was that they would be with him. And when I thought about how we do things, there's a precedent set here that Jesus knows who's with him. You know, we're thinking about membership and it's important that we know who we're building with. It's not about being exclusive because Jesus had the 12, he had the 72, he addressed the crowds, he would pick people out from the crowds, he knew who they were. It wasn't about being exclusive, it was about being inclusive. And it's about knowing who you're building with. And Jesus prepares and teaches the disciples, he commissions them, he gives them authority, he sends them out, and he does it with such Love and tenderness. We see at the end of John where he's preparing them for when he's going away. And he talks about the introduction of the Holy Spirit. We see how he is in a, in a crowd and he'll, he'll call out a tax collector, someone that's desperate to see him. Think about the woman that touched the hem of his garment. He was always aware of those around him. And everything he did was done with compassion and love and tenderness. But he didn't suffer fools gladly either. And when the religious zealots and the people tried to trip him up, tried to catch him out, he, he knew what to say to them. I think of the, the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount and, and, and he'll start off and, and it seems like, you know, well, this is such a good thing. Um, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. What a brilliant thing. But he's like, ah, oh, no, no, that's not enough. Love your enemies. And Jesus always brought more. There was always more to see. There was always a bigger picture in his kingdom. And that's, that's what I want to build. That's how I want to be. When I look at Jesus, I think I want to lead like Jesus led. Because he is our foundation and our cornerstone. And we want to do things how he did them. 
So it's all about Jesus. It's for him and it's like him. And secondly, we are built together and are building together. In this passage in Ephesians 2, it says, now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone. But I don't think you can have one without the other. You can't build unless you're doing the building. We can't build together unless we do the building. We are bizarrely, and this can really only happen in the kingdom of God, we are both the raw materials and the labourers. I kind of think, how can we possibly build together? Look at us all. Think about the disciples as well. How could they possibly build together? Do you know, sometimes we don't even agree with each other. Some of us don't even speak the same language. We're educated differently. We bring up our children differently. Some of us are even from the south. Some of us are from Lancashire. But you know what? It doesn't matter. We can build together. When we were doing the building work in our house, we had all sorts of people. We had people that we knew. We had complete strangers. We had people that we paid. We had people that were volunteers. And they were all traipsing in and out of my house every day with the plaster dust. But anyway, there was many people, from the people that I loved to the people that I didn't know. But together, we made something beautiful because we all had one common purpose. And I just want to go, want to go back to Ephesians 2, a, a, bit, a bit previous now in verse 14. And this is what it says in the message. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, He created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody, a fresh start for everybody. You know, you might be here today and you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I want to say to you in Jesus, you can have a fresh start. If you want to know what a fresh start is, if you want to know what it's like just to come and and surrender as Marcus was singing and to lay those things down and to have a fresh start come and talk to me or any of the leaders somebody at the back whoever if you if you think what is this today that's going on here I don't really know but I like the sound of a fresh start then talk to someone because everybody today who I'm talking to who is building together we are building together because we have had a fresh start And I know this passage is a specific reference to the Jews and Gentiles, but we are included. We are a new kind of human being. Every one of us has been given a fresh start. And that means it doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter if we can speak the same language. It doesn't matter if we don't always agree. It's Jesus who's brought this about. 
It's Jesus who we build on. It's Jesus who reconciles us. It's him we center around. Without him, we cannot do this. But with him, centered around him, with a fresh start in him, we can do this. And we all might look a bit different. My house is built of stone. And I love natural materials because every stone is a little bit different. They're all the same basic shape because they needed to be slotted together to make my house. But you know, they're all a slightly different colour. They're all a slightly different front on them. They're all a slightly different shape. Just like us, but they all fit together to make something beautiful. So our cornerstone is Jesus. And we're building together and we're being built together. But then... Possibly the most exciting bit of all, we are inhabited by God himself. Just let that land for a minute. We are inhabited by God himself. You see, in Ephesians 2.22, it says, We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. That's why we're here. We're not here to build a beautiful empty building. We're not here just to have our cathedral with its gorgeous stained glass windows. But we're here to host the living God. And some of you may have heard that famous quote because it gets used a lot now from the movie The Field of Dreams. It's from 1989, so half of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But there was a, a, a man who wanted to build a, a baseball stadium um, in his lucrative cornfields. And he was wandering through the cornfields and he heard this mysterious voice. And it said, If you build it, he will come. If you build it. was talking about a baseball player but anyway the principle is the same it's a movie quote not the bible but if we build it he will come we are building it and he is here and i long to see more of god's manifest presence here his his right here and now presence i long to see it here i long to see it in us i long to see it in our town healings Miracles, angels, miraculous provision. And I say I long to see more because we have experienced all of those things. But we want to see more, don't we? More of his presence, more of his power. And we will do because he is at home here. In Chronicles 5, Solomon finishes building the temple. And the passage starts like this. So the temple was finally finished. It's got to be good. Another cathedral built. And it ends with, at that moment, the glory of the Lord coming as a bright cloud filled the temple so that the priests could not continue their work. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome stuff. And I think it would be amazing to experience that here 
But I think there's so much more than that. That was, that was great at the time. And, and there have been times when we have so felt the presence of God. And that is wonderful. But just experiencing the presence of God is not really enough. Unless it's the transforming, changing presence of God. Unless it's something that we then take with us when we leave here. Then it's just the presence of God in this room. And it's a bit of a tingly feeling. And it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a thrill. And it's something amazing. It's a fantastic story. But it's the presence of God in here. And I don't belittle that because I love being in God's presence. But there is more than that for us, isn't there? You remember a few weeks ago, Trevor invited us to imagine church. Wasn't that a great morning? And lots of people contributed to that. You know, I loved hearing how other people imagine church because I maybe hadn't thought of that. Um, and somebody else's imagining that added to my imagining. And, and I was able to get excited for what I imagined, but I was able to get excited for what other people imagined as well. And I thought, I, yeah, I can get excited for that. I, I want to see that too. And, and so many people contributed as well. And I learned a little bit more about some of us, about our hopes and our dreams and what we really want to see happen. And that's really exciting. But if we're building and God is inhabiting, then those hopes and dreams are happening. And I'm fully expecting many sequels to Imagine Church. And I think they'll be like this. Say what you see, church. Share your story, church. Tell it how it is, church. This is happening, church. Because we don't just want to imagine it. We want to see it happen. What was it Dan said last week? What if it's true? What if it's true? What if those imaginings are not just imaginings? What if they're true? What if what we're building here means that God inhabits our living, breathing building? And we've been laying the foundations. It's taken us a number of years to get to here. We've been re-establishing our vision and our values. We've been working out who we are and where we're going. And now it's time to build together. Despite what it may look like, despite our flaws and our shortcomings and our differences and our humanness, despite all that, we are building and are being built into something beautiful. With Jesus as our cornerstone and our example a living, breathing building inhabited by God himself. We're going to break bread together in a minute. But before we do, I'm going to leave you with this quote. This is from Ephesians 3, verse 8 to 10. It's Paul writing, but I feel like this as I stand here today and speak to us. And it says, and so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus, 
like ourselves, gathered in churches like this. The extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about, even among the angels. If we could have some musicians, that would be great, because we're going to break bread together. And I encourage you to spur one another on. If you're building here, tell each other. If you're a visitor here, be encouraged. If you see a visitor, go and encourage them. Encourage them about where they're building. If you have no idea what we're talking about, but you want a fresh start, come and take it at this table. There'll be somebody there who can tell you. But let's celebrate. Let's celebrate what God is building. The only reason we are here is because of what Jesus did on the cross. He is the cornerstone. And he broke bread, just like we are, because he is our example. And he is at the center of it all.